Welcome to another another episode of the Woods Water Mizzou podcast. When your host Skeeter along with me tonight, as usual, are Case and Cole. How y'all doing? I'm a little tired. This is round two. Oh golly, how do y'all? <laughs> okay, before I get completely rode out of this episode, uh, we were already on the outdoor segment. And started having a little bit of audio problems, so we paused, and I happened to look down in the corner of my screen and realized the record button was not pressed. So y'all are getting our second and third thoughts of the day on these topics. (laughs) You know what? We were bound to do this at some point, so here we are. (laughs) We did the pre-show. We did, you know, okay, here we go. Here's our trial run. All right, here's the actual podcast. Oh, we weren't recording, so take three, four, yeah, whatever y'all want to call it. I even did pre-show notes this time to try and make it more official. So now we got pre-show notes, pre-show, pre-pre-pre-show, show. So if you didn't already yep. know, this is, I mean, breaking news. This is not uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. This is not the Meat Eater podcast. We're not professionals by any means, <laughs> if you didn't already know. <laughs> We're all working men with families, jobs, kids, uh, a lot of stuff going other ways, but we try to do this because we love it and love talking the stuff we talk about. So let's go ahead and get into those pre-show notes with we've already got into before. Uh, baseball, they lose two out of three at Texas A&M, and I kind of said that this was the part of the schedule that was supposed to be easier, and we were supposed to start showing that we're a decent team and without the pitching, without the clutch hitting with runners in scoring position, it's just not going to happen this year. It's not looking like no depth in the back in the bullpen at all. Right. That is such a massive, uh, hole for us. Um, that's, that's something that needed to be addressed before the season and you get a few injuries and then there's just no one left there. So that's been a huge problem for us. Yeah. And I heard on the, um, on the broadcast tonight of the uh, of the Missouri State game, the the Mizzou announcers are talking about not only the pitching woes, but the the bats, the collective bats as a team. I think the team's hitting like two seventy nine right now, so which is not great. Like you're not going to win a ton of ball games hitting, you know, hitting two seventy nine when your pitching isn't great either. Yeah. That is better than my Royals are hitting. I think the Royals are hitting one eighty one right now. But uh, there's not – yeah, the Royals are a disaster. Uh, that's for Good a different podcast, night. though. Um, not a lot of pop either, but um, there have been some big bats. Uh, Luke Mann, obviously, superstar. Um, Dylan Bargo's had some power. So has uh, Hank Zeisler. So there's been a little bit of power there, but you're right. It's, not, it's almost like it's not been um, spread out evenly. They'll have games where they go off. They'll have games where they don't – you know, they can't put two hits together. So it's it's been kind of a, a pain so in that way. Well, you know, another thing to think about on the pitching, uh, 
We haven't seen Sam Horn come back after spring football's ended. So has Drinkwitz and whoever's funding the NIL money to Mr. Horn said, okay, enough of the baseball. I think you're right. I think um, I think I've heard Gabe say that all the NIL money is funneled to football. And like I just mentioned, the bullpen has been so uh, weak that I don't think there's a and there, if if he was going to pitch, he would have pitched by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have, and like I like I mentioned in uh, take one of the podcast. I mean, golly, guys going to football practice and baseball practice, and isn't seeing a whole lot of game time. But hey, he's making money. He was the first one to jump on the back of front of the show, Dylan Leach, after his game-winning double, though. So he's doing something. Do you want got to a pretty good? Do you want to got a pretty good live live reaction? Yeah. So I know we keep harping on this. It's probably getting annoying to listeners, but uh, no. we were watching the game. We were, I was watching the game while recording the first iteration of this, and um, the ninth inning was up, and I was a little distracted, and then Leach hit the double and i freaked out and it was awesome it was, it was pretty funny um but yeah i just started like we can all see audio or video of each other and i'm like freaking out fist pumping and they're like yo case you okay and i'm like friend of the show don't leech game winning walk off double let's go <laughs> but super, super proud of them uh he's obviously coming to the show a lot big hunter we love the guy uh that's a cool moment man just we are lacing just a double yeah, man, hit a double, hit a two-run homer. Yeah, today, um, I think he said. I think the announcer said he batted in like RBIs number nine and ten today. So, um, yeah, old Leach is out there turkey hunting this morning too. That's the same out there out there on our own public land. He said he had a bird within like sixty-five yards. Just couldn't couldn't bring himself to squeeze off at that distance. Which he I ain't shooting that TSS, is he? Bit. I don't know. They might be. Gotta be you, you, TSS might as well shoot at eighty. Well, TSS. <laughs> Just joking. It's like twenty bucks a shell too, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like shooting a twenty dollar bill out every time you pull the trigger. You, you can't even pattern that crap because you don't want to no, waste it. No. You just gotta believe all the hype. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and move into basketball. Uh, pretty good pickup, I feel like, with Tamar Bates. KC area kid. Uh, I believe Coach Martin tried to recruit him when he was here, and Bates chose Indiana. Uh, he was a top 50 recruit coming out of high school, so a lot of hype coming out of there. He really didn't get the numbers at Indiana. Uh, I believe a lot of that was Mike Woodson's system that he was playing in, but uh pretty promising piece added to look forward to for next year's squad absolutely uh one being a casey guy every time we get a casey kid in the team i'm always super excited um and he was he was big out of the he was with the img in florida but he was a big time prospect up here but also what i liked was um whoever the, the gabe would be of indiana was kind of mentioning um he was definitely the most improved player on defense last year had they said he had really good three-point um three-point line defense uh and also he was one of the better free throw shooters in the team and uh had a, a pretty respectable three-point percentage shooting those are all things that are going to help us we know that three-point uh line defense was an issue for perimeter d that's what we're looking for was an issue uh last season and 
I don't know, it wasn't talked about a lot, but I kind of felt like our free throw shooting started to diminish a little bit towards the end. Um, Especially on the end of a one and one. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit. And maybe it's not a big deal, but to me it felt like it was something that we could improve upon. Uh, and also, he's you know, if he's going to be a good shooter, a good jump shot, that is something we need. We need more scores because we've learned last year you can't, rely on your top one or two or three guys every single game because they're going to have an off night. And if they have an off night, you get the Alabama game at home this year. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing I like about um, Tamar Bates transferring in is the Indiana people, Indiana folk and fans, the Hoosier fans, they had a lot of really good things. They wished them well, um, which I feel like is not, not always seen on social media, especially Twitter. Um, you know, the replies of an announcement into the transfer portal or a commitment or whatever. But everything that I saw from Indiana fans was like, hey, you know, Mizzou, you got a good one. Um, not only a good player, but, you know, I know a, a lot of people hate to hear it, but high character guy. Um, as long as he's, you know, good guy, got good morale. He's a dad, too. He's got a kid. Yeah. Um, he's part of the dad club with this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um but no, I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, about that pickup. I know that was one that when he entered the transfer portal, there were a lot of eyes on him. And for uh, Coach Gates to now have two transfers already under his belt um, for for this you know upcoming season, that's makes me feel pretty darn good because basketball there aren't near as many slots as football. Don't forget, you got Curtis Lewis too. There's three transfers coming in. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, out of John. Kurt Lewis. Yeah, he, he seems like a real promising guard that I'm yeah, excited about. Uh, but let's go in and transfer to football and transfer portal there. Uh, the second window opened, and we're losing some depth pieces, uh, but some of it might be guys going for playing time. Some of it might be coaching staff possibly pulling scholarships to, to go after uh, talent in that other positions, possibly. So, uh, let's see, B.J. Harris, Taj Butts, two running backs that transferred. Uh, Marcus Scott, the defensive back, transferred. And I know that there's a handful of others, but those are the names that are, are fresh on my mind. Yeah, I got them pulled up here. Ian Matthews, D. Lineman. Tosh Butts, um, Zach Hahn, Daniel uh, Robledo. We can get into this one if you want, but Trajan Jeffcoat. Um, <laughs> we should talk about that real quick. Yeah, we can. Hey, let's take the. That's worth know, talking about. Let's get on the off ramp of this conversation and talk about Trajan Jeffcoat. Yeah, I don't think I understand the uh, allure to taking a dump on your previous home like he did, and. I mean, he wasn't a player disliked. Uh, I was actually a, was a big fan of his. Um, I don't know. It, and there's a little bit of shadiness of how it all happened, right? Is that correct, guys, that maybe yeah. it wasn't just According a clean to from rumors. Mizzou to Arkansas? Yeah. According to the rumors, uh, he wanted to go back to Columbia, South Carolina, and somehow there was something with SC did not like in, in his paperwork or physical somewhere there. And so they pulled their offers, my understanding. And yeah. he tried coming back to Columbia, Missouri, 
And I believe our coaching staff told him no. Yeah, what you? Some, uh, I heard some pretty interesting things from um, from someone within the program on him, not only on the transfer situation, but on things that that he was doing. Like, I'm trying to talk about it without spilling the beans. For example, um, the bowl game, Gasper LeBowl that we played in, he traveled. I don't believe he was injured. Um, you'd have to go back and look at the injury report. But he traveled for the bowl game, and during the entire bowl game, he just sat on the bench with sunglasses on. So, you know what I mean? That's just weird. Yeah. Like, players that are in a bowl game that are traveling with the team that are in some way, shape, or form there for a reason don't just sit on the bench with sunglasses on. I don't know if it was, like, pouting or, I don't know, maybe he was injured. But um, I don't know, man. It's weird. It, it makes me wonder, too, if when these quotes come out from these articles, you know, we're not there during the interviews. It does make me wonder if, like, some of these Arkansas journalists are, like, setting up for, you know, kind of not bashing, but. They're looking for a little bait. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way. It could be taken out of context as well. You know, we, we don't know as to what the context was, but. I mean, if we were to have a player come from any other school and Gabe was interviewing them and asked what they thought of Columbia, Missouri, I would hope, I would much rather than say Columbia, Missouri is a lot nicer than where I came from. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get uh, it. I, re- I really do. But at the same time, that. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, hey, the, the, Trayvon Brazil um, situation, the trading Jeff Coat, like Daniel Parker. Forget, yeah, yeah. Don't forget where you <laughs> came from. Like, thank those that gave you the opportunity to get to where you are today. And you know, say you're happy to be your new home. Move on. If y'all remember, his whole process of entering the portal was pretty strange. He announced like two or three days before the portal that I'm coming back next year. Right. And then two or three days later. Thank you, Mizzou. I'm now entering with one more year of eligibility in the transport portal. Yeah. Yeah. So something was off there. The whole thing has been weird. And if he was Barry Odom kicked him off kicked him off the team at one point, correct? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I think so. And then into. And then Drink brought him back his first year. Uh I remember this because we played Alabama our first game in the COVID year under Drink. And Jeffco had a really good game. He had two sacks. And um, ESPN guys didn't really know their Mizzou knowledge. So they, they saw that he was not on the team the year previous to that. And I remember making a comment like, uh, who is this guy? He didn't play ball last year. He's got two sacks versus Bama. But we knew that he had played. He just got kicked off by Odom. Um, so there is a long, weird history to Jeffco and this team. But I didn't expect him to take a random shot at this city for no reason. That was pretty immature um and i'm gonna get get a little spice with the hot take here you can get mad at me at the podcast um i don't think the arkansas journalism people to do that down there uh like our version of gabe and dave matter i don't think they're near as professional as our guys um i don't think the school takes journalism quite as seriously as we do so when they come through there they're really just big arkansas fans it'd be like if one of us three was interviewing players for that (laughs) i'll be honest i'm biased i'm black and gold at the core 
uh, I think my school's the best, and I think everyone else sucks. But I'm not a journalist. Um, I do a podcast with my friends where we biasly talk about football and shooting turkeys and deer. So if I answer those questions, I might give you something similar. Well, in Mizzou, Gabe and Dave and whoever would, would never lead someone and push for an answer like that. You know what I'm saying? I would no. love to hear how that question was set up. You know it was super immature and super like, how much better is this place? How much better is Fayetteville than that crap hole Columbia? Am I right? <laughs> Hog noise. Like, that's what you know it was like. It was probably the Bobby Bones or one of them asshats, too. Hey, that man is a part of the reason why country music sucked for quite some time. So buy a Bones and go to hell. Well, right. uh, another hot topic. Uh, I gave you all back in the pre-show three hours ago. <laughs> uh, you know big game boomer kind of created a little controversy this week and said what why does everybody in the sec hate on mizzou here's the thing i i grew up southwest missouri lived 13 years in louisiana now the last three years in northwest arkansas missouri is not a Southern, not a Southern style state. Northwest Arkansas is not a Southern style state. 75% of the state of Arkansas does have a lot of Southern vibes, but where Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, all the way down to Fort Smith is not a Southern style. They're very similar to Missouri, but own it. Like, like we don't have to go out and defend like, Oh, we're, we're South. Like geographically, no culturally, not really. Uh, I've traveled the South working construction for several years and it's not, it's not the same vibes. And I, there's other parts of the SEC I wouldn't consider South, you know, Kentucky culture. Yeah. Uh, Nashville's barely South. Nashville is the most Northern of South possible. Yeah. And so it's, it's not a, I don't, I don't think it's a, a thing to really argue and uh, feel like they're taking shots at. It's just like Mizzou, especially the the general areas, the major population in Missouri is right there along I-70. It is not a Southern culture, not Southern on the map. Nothing about it is really Southern. So, yes, they're going to say we don't belong just for that reason right there. And I'm okay with it. I mean, you, you've got to, Yeah. The fans are going to get past that, and they've got to understand why we're here. We're not here because we, uh, you know, because we're old Miss with their bunch of frat boys in the cocktail party out front. We're here because uh, the South doesn't have that many major cities. They don't have Miami out of Florida. They have Gainesville. They don't. No. Uh, they have Atlanta. That's well, not really like Georgia Tech there, but Georgia runs that state we all know. Alabama, great program. Two great programs. There's not one major city in Alabama. Is is uh, Mon- Montgomery sucks. I went there for my on my honeymoon. It was like pee. Um, there's not a lot of major cities in the SEC. We have two. We have Kansas City and we have St. Louis right here in our state. The SEC needed bigger media markets, and they yep. still do. This whole BS about not having not needing uh, networks is garbage. They need the major outlets, and you know. We have that, and we have two of those in our state. Our state was the closest to them that is major markets. You got Nashville, great. Nashville's amazing. What's Kentucky got? Lexington, uh, Louisville. Louisville's got a different school in there. 
you yeah. that's why we're here and i'm tired of this whole culture like we don't do what they do thing well, yeah it's i mean stupid. that's what that's what like conference realignment is becoming solely focused on is markets you think the big 10 added usc and ucla because it geographically made sense if so i'm sorry no. you're an idiot yeah it, it, it does not make sense they added usc and ucla for the la tv market that's it you have a even if conference. those yeah even if like you know the californians really don't care about sports um it, it shows in their attendance for these you know events um but no they they added those two teams to their conference for the television market plain and simple think about those conference road trips you will go from Rutgers, new york to los angeles california for a conference game that's right yeah and yeah. think about like the football team that's flying the jet right yeah. What about like the what about like the men's water polo team? What do you think they're taking out there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're probably not getting the best digs. Yeah. Neutral neutral site game in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights and the UCLA water polo team. They can meet in Des Moines. There you go. <laughs> but um, I, I did my... just want to say that you know, like, yeah, we're not Southern. It's okay. We don't have to be southern. We got bigger deer, anyways. If, if we if we want to really piss them off, win. That'll that'll make them hate us even more. So let let's embrace the black sheep of the conference. Let's get it that nobody's going to roll out a welcome mat for us ten years later, eleven years later, and just go in and start winning. That's that's what we need to do, and that's what. The university needs to focus on. I've been saying that as a fan base, we need to embrace like the the villain role for a yeah. while now. Maybe like uh, I hate the Raiders, but you know the Raiders fans are kind of known as like you know tough and mean. Maybe we should embrace that. They don't like us. They don't want to like us. Maybe we should just be the ones that are just you know the hard to be around fan base. Yeah, yeah. We're their Super Bowl, remember? <laughs> or. Uh, we yeah. are. We have won like twenty seven Super Bowls in the last eight months. Which is that's why I made that meme, dude, yeah. of Patrick Mahomes with the Truman head on it. I like that and one. Yeah. Everyone uses it every single time. That's I'm a good it. one. And the conference has had absolute most down years, most down decades. Yeah. For the powerhouse conference since we joined, it is okay. Yep. Like. <laughs> If we end up back in Atlanta this year for the SEC Conference Championship in football or basketball, well, basketball, it would be Nashville. But if we're in that Conference Championship game, they're going to hate it. Yeah. And we're going to love it. And it will add to it. But going back on the football, (laughs) uh, (laughs) with the the transport portal open, a big thing to me, is no quarterbacks have entered. How open is that competition? I think it's wide open. I've said it there before, and I'll say it again. I think there's four guys that can start for, who can play SEC ball for us. Uh, Garcia has played ACC, ACC ball. I know there's been some questions on the stats, but you know he can do it. I think he's got great arm talent. Brady Cook, SEC ball player last year, good quarterback. Um. 
Dylan Liable, every highlight we see, he's just slinging that bad boy around everywhere. Uh, he's making some big time throws. And then Sam Horn, Sam Horn is like the Ferrari of recruits we've all wanted to see rolled out. You look at last year, and we maybe had one and a half guys that can play. Brady Cook started every game for us. Jack Abram came in a little bit in relief. We saw Sam Horn a little bit. There might have been some reasons why Sam Horn wasn't playing. Like he, I've, I, there's got to be something there where he wasn't playing. It's you know why he's not immediate starter now. So I knew Cook played injured, and everyone hates drink for it. But that might have been Drink's only play. Don't don't forget the Tyler making fourth down special. We saw that every game. I had tried to clear that in my memory. Yeah, I had tried to push that into like a delete file in my brain. <laughs> you said you said Jack Abraham came in for relief, and I will say that I was relieved when someone came in for Jack Abraham. Because, <laughs> <laughs> whew, mercy, that was uh, anyway. Let's not bring that. Let's not bring that back up. It's probably too late, but you know. Anyway, back to the uh, the quarterback competition. Yes, I do think it's wide open. Um, been been talking to some connections. Um, one thing I've heard is Sam Horn is very close. One thing that he is, um, I think that the staff is working on is ball security. Obviously, he's a great athlete, dual sport, collegiate athlete. Um, but I had asked, you know, a friend of mine that told me that, you know, how much of the ball security issues is the offensive line issue, um, you know, which he thought was a, a good kind of counterpoint, which we'll, I guess we'll find out this fall, you know, if all four quarterbacks or however many we end up seeing have ball security issues or if it's just, you know, the one. Um, but if you, you know, gun to my head, pick a uh, pick a starter today. I would lean towards it would depend on how Cook's recovery has been. Um, if it's not Cook, I would lean Garcia. I'm going Garcia all the way. I think from day one, he's, he's going to be the starter. My thing on Cook is it depends on how much control and say Drinkwitz gives up to Kirby Moore. Uh, if it's Kirby's more offense and he gets to call who's out there on what plays, Brady Cook's probably not that high on the list. Uh, if it's Drinkwitz, say, it's probably Cook's job to lose come summer. I'll, I'll be honest. I think for Drink's, for Drink's sake as a head coach, he needs to get up a lot of that to Kirby Moore. Uh I, th- I mean, drink. Uh, I mean, I'm still on his on his bandwagon. I haven't hopped off yet, but we were promised some kind of offensive wonderkin here, and the defense has been the strength of this team every year besides the Steve Wilkes year, and the offense really hasn't done uh, much without if it wasn't Tyler Bates running through humans over and over again. So he better give a lot up if he wants to stay here because I think the offense has got to be revamped. This is by far the deepest quarterback room. Drink what's had since he's been here. Uh, most talent, most game action. Uh, you know, Libel has plenty of Juco experience. Uh, Garcia has ACC experience. Brady has the full season experience. So it's going to be hard at the end of the year if we have to say quarterback was one of our weakest spots. That would be 
a tough thing for Drinkwitz to overcome, I believe. One thing I'll say, man, um, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Your quarterback is only as good as your offensive line. And if we don't get the offensive line straightened out, it doesn't matter if we got Tom Brady himself back there. It's going to be rough. Well, That's speaking fair. Of, speaking of the offensive line, uh, we had a big-time transfer recruit in, uh, was all-conference, and are they USA or the American out of Houston, which – if you remember, we hired Coach Jones, who was offensive line coach at Houston. Uh, but the article I read says he was asked about playing center. Uh, it's between us and USC for him. And USC wants him to play guard. So I did think that was a little interesting that it's kind of out there that they're shopping for a center to come in and play, not to actually compete, like it seemed like it was a starting job that was offered to him. So, uh, thoughts? Center's been a problem, though. And I think we all know that. And I think the guys there know that. Um, Yeah, I would absolutely love him to come and play center. I think he can do it. I think he even said he's a guy that can play every position. There's a chance to do that. He came from tackle, correct? Yeah. Right. I believe if I read the article right, that's what it said. But I in pre-show we talked about that. I thought he played left guard, so I thought USC might have had an upper hand because he was playing his old position. But if he was playing tackle, then we're both trying to move him. No, um, that would be massive for us. We definitely need a tackle, or excuse me, we definitely need a center. Um, it was by far a weakest position, and the other teams knew it. They were exploiting that and going right over uh, Tolleson like that. Um, Man, this is when we gotta land. We that's the one thing we really needed is a big time offensive line uh, transfer, and this would be that. I really hope the bringing his old coach is a catalyst to get him here because this is a huge need. I brought this up in the non-recorded show, but uh, not necessarily Mizzou related. There is a tight end in the transfer portal. I believe he's out of Georgia Southern. And I don't know how many COVID years he's gotten, but he entered the transfer portal and he started his collegiate career in 2016. That is wild. That is such a long time to be playing golf. <laughs> what is the NCAA doing? <laughs> it's it's a mess, honestly. It is how how many disaster. coaches have been fired, hired <laughs> across the country? at the collegiate level since he started his career. He's like Matthew McConaughey and Days Confused at this point. <laughs> <laughs> he gets older, they say the same age. Y'all have any other football talk you want to bring up? Uh, yes, actually. Um, I actually just thought of this as I'm kind of looking through some notes. Um, Gray. Tiani T- Gray. D lineman out of uh, Hazelwood Central, guy that was committed to us for I don't know a, month a week or two maybe, <laughs> not quite a week. But, <laughs> I think uh, it was very long. He'd been committed for a little while. Was it? Dude goes on yeah. yeah. Dude goes on one Oregon visit and pops smoke, man. Decommits and then recommits all within like you know. Why commit this, at that point? I don't know, man. If you know really that it. going to Oregon's still an option, and I'm nothing against Oregon, whatever. But if you know that going to Oregon's still an option then why commit in the first place? 
If you're not completely like 100% close of your commitment, then don't commit. There's no point in that. You're just wasting our time, wasting your time. He probably didn't say in his commitment tweet to us that he was 110% committed. 120 so, or nothing, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if they don't, don't if they don't put one twenty in there, I'm like, oh, this guy's yeah. gone. He's, he's not gone. even he's not gone, even a prospect like anymore. <laughs> you know, here's here's a funny remember that too. I was going to pull up. I was going to say how many twenty four seven sports shows that we have nine defensive linemen on the on roster, which I don't know if that's completely accurate, but Oregon has seventeen. Yeah. So with no his commitment. Double the amount of D linemen, so. But they got fun uniforms. Yes. So. Did you think about and that? they have Nike money. <laughs> Thanks, Phil Knight. Thanks, Phil yeah. Knight. My my thing on the high school recruits. Uh, I'm not buying any commitment right now. Yeah. And also. I'm not stressing over high school recruits nearly as hard as what used to with what the transport portal is. Not at all. You can flip a roster in one year. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so when you look at that now, you've almost – let's look at this. So, you know, in MLB, you can draft college guys. You can draft high school guys, right? High school guys, you gotta you got to put in your system. you got to build them up. So maybe in five, six years they play for you. College guys – Hell, the Royals had a college guy, Brandon Finnegan, pitching for him in the twenty fourteen World Series. They drafted him the summer before that. So in less than a year he was in the he was playing for us in the World Series. That's how I look at this now. You can get some get some base guys, some guys you're gonna build up, you know. And you know, at that point that can be three stars, that can be four stars. Now the five stars like Luther are awesome. Get those if you can. But build your base of prospects that you're gonna take your time with, but you gotta supplement the rest of that with your transfer portal guys and that you're right that is the game now because we got a five-star wide receiver this year theo weiss you know that's a five-star talent you get him four years ago everyone's it's a, it's a different story right so it's the, you're right the ball game is not the same as it was well much of the 2021 class has already re- like transferred out for us so yeah um uh, you can get it, them out of high school in one year of being buried in the depth charts, and they're going to go look for playing time elsewhere or go look for NIL money. Like, uh, you know, we just like you said last week on the pod about basketball, where when we grew up, you had a guy for three or four years, you know, uh, you could build a team. Football is the same way, and it's, it's not that way anymore. No. That's crazy. I saw that tweet today that you're talking about, Skeeter, the 2021 class. I'm looking at it, man, and holy smokes. Some of these guys barely, if at all, saw the field. The only ones that I think are still here are – you want me to read all of them, or you want me to read the ones that are still here? No, I'm curious because I want to know who we lost and if they were like – who was that big of a loss? Some big ones. So the 2021 uh, football commit – Recruiting class, Travion Ford, Dominic Levitt, yeah, Tyler Macon, Jadarius Perkins, Connor Tolleson, Kyron Montgomery, uh, Dalen Carnell, Damian Wilson, Arden Walker, Makai Wingo, mm, uh, Daniel Robledo, Jamarian Gooch, Davian Sistrunk, 
Tyler Hibbler, Taj Butts, Zachary Lovett, BJ Harris, Ryan Horsecamp, Gavin McKay, uh, Darius Jackson, Ben Langston, uh, Zaquavion Reeves, and Realis George. So, I listened to that. Wingo's a big one. That sucked. And that that one went really poorly. Sort of love it, I guess. Um, Ford. I really wanted to see Ford on the field. Travian Ford. He ended up going to Toledo, correct? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Under Coach Cool. And Coach Cool got let go the week after. Golly, yep. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy how crazy how times change, but yeah, that sucks. Do? And I think I was I didn't I never really cared about recruiting until that class. It's kind of the one I picked up on. And um, I just thought wait, about this. They showed Jadarius Perkins as a. I guess technically he was committed, but then he yeah. committed and committed to Florida. Yeah, it sucked. Mm. Tragic. That class got me really excited about recruiting, and I thought it was a lot of potential. And um, this isn't a recruiting podcast, so I'll say this, but following recruiting is a waste of your time. <laughs> There's, I'm sorry, guys, that pay for like rivals and two twenty or twenty four seven or whatever on three. You're wasting your time. It doesn't matter. It the only times it matters is like getting the start playing games for your team. The the big stuff to read and pay attention to now is who's on the roster the week leading up to the season and what are they saying. Yeah. You know, that that's the excitement now. Who's on the injury report? Yeah. yeah that's, that's about it. Follow the portal, because the portal actually is what matters now. Yeah. Uh, and that was one thing, too, I did hear on Luther's podcast. He was on Every True Tiger with uh, Gabe DeArman. And Gabe asked him about the early spring practice, spring ball, and – a point I don't think we really talked about that kind of I was like oh, yeah is if guys get injured you're allowing that that much more time for recovery before fall camp so uh, you had that on top of the transport portal window and all that that they're gearing up for I kind of kind of like the idea how we have it set up I agree ski actually someone was mad about it today on Twitter and I don't I don't agree um Maybe I'm a bad. I wasn't going to the spring game, anywho. Um, I don't know. I, I saw South Carolina had like 51k at their spring game. That's cool. There's better stuff to do in Missouri than that. Um, so I don't know. Well, yeah, they get, also had it in late April in South Carolina when the weather's nice and not 22 degrees or whatever. Yeah, and we're playing a uh, basketball game in the tournament that day. Yeah. And I wanted to go have my buddies and drink all day and watch that with them. I didn't want to drive to Columbia for it. So, I don't know. Um, I don't care. I don't care that we didn't do a spring game. And I agree. I like that we get a jump in the portal. I like that we have more injury time for recovery. I like that the guys that aren't going to play have more time to get in the portal so they can find a new home. It's good for them, too. Yeah. And also, it's more time for guys to be coached. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Be with the playbook and say, "Hey, this is where we need you to improve." You know, go work on this area. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, so yeah. There's a lot of benefits to it. Uh, there's there's some talk from some coaches about possibly trying to play like 
us play like possibly Missouri State in the spring. Uh, you know, a, a smaller FCS type school. Uh, maybe that would draw a little bit more attention. Get a little bit more from the players, but I don't. I don't need to see that. I don't see schools doing that. No. The only way I see them doing that would be TV money. Well, you know what? We have that game already. We're playing at week one versus South Dakota. No. That's what that is, right? That's why we play those cupcakes, South, like FCS schools. It's, it's, it's well, preseason, but you get to count it for your bowl record. But after next year, when you get OU and Texas join, we go from eight games to nine conference games. What are you are you cutting out your premier non-con match, or are you taking away one of the lower tier games? Well, yeah, think about it. So look at our schedule this year. You got South Dakota. That's not going anywhere. Uh, K State probably not going anywhere. Memphis. That kind of game is not going to get played anymore. Your game against your uh, you know your random G five, the Wyoming series, the Memphis series. Now, um, give me another one. I know there's more. Um, we played Toledo a few times. Those games are are done. You're not doing those anymore. Yeah, no. You're still gonna play the the cupcakes. You need that's your preseason. Yep, I agree. All right, let's roll this in the outdoors. Uh, it was opening Turkey Day yesterday, and neither one of you sent me a bird picture, so I'm assuming. Y'all come up empty-handed, huh? You would like, assume correct, at least on my end. I've har- yeah. harvested the same amount of turkeys as y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took a day off, though, at least. That was kind of handy. That was nice. I, I did see five turkeys Sunday. Uh, I was sitting at Arby's getting a bite to eat real quick, and there was a F-150 and had a wire cage in the back, and I saw five heads doing this. You know, they were they're poking up seeing what was going on. So I was like, Hey, I see some turkeys. <laughs> I could talk about it this week on the pod. That's right. <laughs> but now, um, yeah, turkey season's officially open here in Missouri. Um, man, it was windier and all get out opening day. Uh, had a good, fairly decent opening day. Um, heard a couple gobbles off the limb, hit the ground and, uh, actually, encountered let's see about 10 times as many deer as i did turkey on opening day had a herd of um the most i could see at any given time was 11 does and fawns bed down within bow range um which was actually pretty cool to watch because i'd never seen deer in that capacity bed down all at one time I mean, they were just as relaxed as relaxed could be. I was downwind. I was in the shade. Um, got some pretty cool pictures and videos. One ended up getting within like four yards of me, which was pretty cool. Um, anyway, that was about 830. Those deer, you know, eventually worked off. Um, decided to go back to the truck, get a cup of coffee because I was not expecting to be that cold on opening day. Hit... Um, edges of the property line in the truck, just kind of scanning and seeing if there were any birds on neighboring properties. Um, checked one side, nothing. Checked the other side. Ended up seeing um, two gobblers and a hen, or what I assumed were two gobblers and a hen. One for sure. So I beat feet back to the other side of the property. Grabbed my stuff, got set up. Um, 
I typically, uh, we even talked about this last week, Case, that I typically don't hunt with decoys just because I've had them screw me over so many times. And uh, that happened again. I was set up, there was a blue jay kind of harassing um, those turkeys about 250 yards away. And as that blue jay would go off, the um, gobbler would sound off as well. So I ended up calling him in. Um, he ended up getting within 10 yards, but he was just on the other side of the property line and was hung up on my decoy. Wouldn't, um, wouldn't fully commit to it. And the wind was even blowing it, kind of giving it a little bit of a lifelike action, but didn't end up uh, committing. And I've, I've worked him for another, I don't know, probably hour and a half, two hours. So that was opening day. Um, today it got out on another property saw multiple turkeys uh, but they were just doing their thing recessing in a field pecking um, along eating grass the hens were doing their thing gobblers really didn't want anything to do with it except for one um dad and i hunt on the same property and he actually shot a bird this morning a bird that i had seen earlier in the day i was ho- hopefully slowly getting him to work my way and um as I decided to back out, loop around, and see if I could still see him in the field, I get about halfway back to the area I was going to watch, and uh, Dad Dad let the twelve gauge eat, and ended his five year. Had been five years since he killed a bird, um, but ended his ended his dry spell. It's easy to go on dry spells with turkey, man. Heck yeah, it is. I went three years straight getting a bird, and I look back on that. I'm not really sure how I broke last year, but I'm not really sure. I got so lucky that many times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I had a question to ask you about that. Oh, how, how are they reacting to the calls? It's hard to say because opening day was so windy that, I mean, the bird I called in opening day was reacting to cutting. I mean, he was gobbling and cutting, um, which was really, really cool to watch. Today, gobblers wanted nothing to do with it, man. They, I don't know if it was the amount of hens that they had in the area. They were just content. They didn't need to, you know, mm. pursue anything else. But um, opening day was fine. I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm going out tomorrow morning. So by the time this drops, I'll hopefully have a bird on the ground. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Dad said that they were gobbling pretty good off the limb and shortly after. And then the rest of the day, they pretty much shut up and didn't say anything. I had the exact same experience. So uh, I went out with my father-in-law and um, – we talked to the guy that uh, we gave permission from the property to, and he gave us an idea of where they were getting out of the roost and going every day. So we decided to set up there. So you have two guys. It's a flock. Chance to double up. Um, gobbling like crazy. Now they were further out than we had hoped, uh, but I was hearing them all over this big property. As soon as they got down, I didn't hear. I, I, I know my calls weren't getting them in. Um couldn't talk to him, nothing. Uh, we sat there till about eight thirty. Now, I'm the kind of person that'll they'll sit there till I wear a hole in the ground and just wait to see if I can get someone to come to me. Um, <clears throat> father-in-law has a ton of success, kind of just getting up, uh, kind of trying to ambush the turkey. So that that actually worked to a degree. We we uh, got down the river bottom, river creek bottom. 
uh, walk that for a little bit, try to find some signs. We didn't see too much. We popped over on this big hill where last year he'd actually shot a bird doing just that. He comes over the creek, basically ran up on the turkey, uh, and able to take a tom out. Um, we did that. We got over the crest, and there was a big tom. I'm talking like definitely a three-year-old, maybe older. I don't know. Uh, but this was a big, big bird. And uh, I don't know if we spooked him or he was just going, but he was just trucking. He didn't get him fly, but he just trucked on out of there. Uh, I was going to ask you guys a question. Maybe listeners, if they want to, you know, uh, tweet at us or whatever. What do you do in that situation? So let's say the bird is going away from you. You see the bird and it's already traveling that way. My plan was I went into the tree line and I, I tried to get out to where I thought he was going. The property ends in a, a bunch of pine trees and where they, the farmer has this beekeeping down there. I'm assuming that he's going to the pines. There's coverage there. It wasn't very, it wasn't as windy up here as it was for you. I don't think, cause it wasn't too bad. Um, but I've seen, it seems like that's a place Turkey may go. If he does feel pressured is to go into a, a you know, thick pine area. So I go, I cut down into that. Uh, my father-in-law goes the opposite direction. He goes atop the ridge and he's going to swoop around. Um, neither one of us find him. What's your guys play in that? The bird is in front of you. You see him. He's going away. What is your play to try and get in front of him? Man, I would try and um, just do whatever you can to try and cut him off. Part of me would just kind of cut my losses, depending on, you know, how much time is left in the day and, you know, how big the property is and all that. If I spook a bird that bad to where, you know, he's beating feet to the other side of the property, I'll usually just ride it off and try and either go to a different part of the, you know, different part of the property on a different bird or come back a different day. Um, you know, just tip your hat to them say, Hey, you know, you won this round and just kind of move on. Um, but if you're persistent, last thing I would do is just take the same, take the same route and chase right after him. Cause he's already running expecting yeah. something to be following him. Um, but yeah, I would, I would try and, Cut him off in some capacity. Yeah, that's kind of my plan there. Um, I really was surprised he was hauling tail so much. I mean, we came over the came like so it's a hill, you know, top of the hill, bobbing. He's yeah. at the bottom where we were coming over. I really was surprised that he was so panicked by the time I got up there. But I mean, he was a big bird. They don't get that big by being stupid, I guess. That's right. I would I would say I'd probably get the two forty three and about a hundred fifty grain hollow tip. Uh, let her rip. Let her rip. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a shot there, see what happens. No, leading up to uh leading up to opening day I actually got out did a little bit more fishing, caught some more crappie on uh um a different public lake and so yeah, that was a good time. Um Springs here, man. Found some morels on opening day, so that was nice. Um now I just need just need a turkey. turkey. I had I had to work six days this week, uh and my day off, I was out with the chainsaw, so I did not hit the woods. I was cutting trees in my yard that I'm tired of mowing under limbs on. Uh, but I still haven't heard anything from y'all that's got me convinced I need to try turkey hunting. Uh, it's my, I love it. I don't know. What, what do you need to hear? What's, what's hanging up? Why do you not think it sounds exciting? Well, it's just... 
one, my, my big thing, if I'm going to take the time and the passion of getting hooked at, at chasing something to, to kill and harvest to eat, I want more than a meal or two off of it. Unless it's a fish. Oh, man. man, I got to tell you, but the, it is the easiest to get to that meat. Out of, it's easier than filleting a fish. You just slice them down the middle and, you know, boom, boom, you got the breast. You can take the legs off. Those are a little harder to cook than, a, like, you know, butterball turkey. Uh, got a slow cooker. Those bad boys get the meat off them. But you can have that thing out and ready to fry so quickly. I kind of like that about it. Um, it's also, what? it's a, oh, go ahead. Well, I want each of you to give me your top reason for any listeners out there that are like me that have never been around turkey hunting southwest missouri we didn't have a turkey season in newton county growing up uh so we might have had a spring or something but nobody knew of turkeys in the area so uh wasn't around it didn't grow up in it and have never really caught the desire so i want y'all to give me your number one reason or biggest pitch for somebody to try it. Go ahead, Cole. I'm going to condense a couple things down into one because I can't just pick one reason. One of the reasons would be there is nothing like going out there in the pitch black dark, getting set up where you believe you heard birds the night before or suspect birds to be, watching the woods wake up every species every different species of birds it's like a crescendo every different species of birds leads up boom then you hear that first gobble of the morning and then it's like once that first gobble of the morning or you hear the first owl or whatever it is that's when things really start to wake up then fly down happens i mean there's almost nothing more beautiful in the outdoors than seeing a gobbler in full strut I mean, the iridescence of their feathers, you know, watching them go in and out of strut, hearing them spit and drum. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable. The other thing I like about the chase aspect, as you know, with deer, most of the majority of your hunters are hunting either from a blind or a tree stand. You're stationary. With turkeys, if, you know, like Case just mentioned, if you, you know, spook a bird on public land on one part, you can drive to a completely different part of public land or just walk or whatever, look at another berm and boom, the fight's right back on. Yeah. So that's probably my top three or four reasons for, for wanting to do it. I have to agree with that first when you said there is something, um, I don't know, magical about uh, watching a spring come alive like that. I know deer hunters are going to say, I do that all the time. You know, we get up there before the sun and get to our tree stand. There's something different when you're listening for those gobbles. Um, makes your heart skip a beat. It really does. That first, uh, that first th- thunder chicken really makes you just, like, wow. Um, also, the way you're hunting them is different. Like you said, uh, the, you're you're not you're not in a tree stand. You can be in a ground blind, but usually you're sitting, but in the grass in a tree line. And you are trying your best to work them to you. In deer hunting, um, you're more or less just in the air hoping someone crosses by, right? 
this one you're you're talking to him you're artificially mimicking uh, a hen to get him to come to you you've got a lot more control in your hunt that way and that's something you don't see a lot in uh in other forms of hunting um and man just the ultimate thrill when you do get one when you do get one in because of that when you work one in that is it's a very accomplished feeling um and hell, even when you you get close up to the roost, like the last bird I shot uh, two years ago, um, he stayed up for a while. I had decoys out. I was calling to him. He was talking to me in a roost, and the old boy just flew down right in front of me and got blasted. Uh, man, that's that's crazy. That is so because you're seeing it happen, and you're like, all right, we did this. We're like, you know, we've we've won this one, and it's it's just a cool feeling, man. It is it is so much fun. It is so rewarding, and it's. Honestly, it's it's a little. I think it's a little harder in deer hunting, in my opinion. It is, hundred percent, in my opinion. Kind kind of what I gathered from y'all. I I want to kind of see if it relates to this and fishing, to where deer you're kind of like catfishing, cast out there and wait for something to happen. Turkey hunting is more like bass fishing, where you're you're a little bit more aggressive. You're moving around. You're you're trying different lures you know you're, you're trying to get the one that you know you, you find them uh, you're moving you're, you're trolling the edges the weeds the stumps all that trying trying to find where your your bass are embedded down and get set up that way is that kind of what i'm hearing yeah it's pretty similar i I, I mean yeah that sounds pretty accurate now i get a full four months of bow season down here literally the tail end of september all the way to the very end of february uh deer hunting so kind of this time of the year i'm just like recouping you know from from spending all the winters outdoor and then making up with lost time spent with my my kids and family so the idea of finding another hobby, it makes it, you know, like, uh, do I really want to get hooked on it? So, do you, is there a cutoff time in Arkansas for turkey hunting, like, during the day? Can you uh, go until sundown? That's I, fair. I, I, mean, I mean, honestly, with turkey, you only get till 1 o'clock in the state of Missouri. Um, it gives you plenty of time to hang out with your, do whatever you're going to do the rest of the day. Uh, I I didn't get a bird. I stayed out till till one o'clock. I I spent the entire day in the field on Monday. I still had time to pick up my kid from daycare early. You know, I took her to get a bite. Came out early, watched a Paw Patrol movie, and played with toys. So like, you know, I still have to spend a bunch more time with my kid than I would have, you know, on a normal day. Um, I mean, it's kind of the best of both worlds. You you don't get all day. You get other stuff, but from sun up to one o'clock, that's your time, and it's kind of it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a blast. Um, yeah, I'm ready to get back out there tomorrow morning. I, I just pulled it up and looked, and I'm not seeing a time zone. Yeah, uh, I don't think, I don't think uh, Arkansas has a time restriction. You're allowed two birds, but no more than one legal turkey may be taken during the first seven days of the regular season. So you can't take yeah. two in your first week. Same yeah. here. Uh, I guess I, I need to go try it. It's just 
I've never never really been around people that turkey hunt a lot, so it's never had that itch, I guess, to go scratch. Yeah. Yeah, understandable. Uh, it's actually yeah. the first type of hunting I ever got into. I got into that before I got into deer. Um, it might have just been because I got into hunting in the springtime, or before the springtime, so that's what was next, but um, I did that pretty much solely for a few years. I haven't turned hunted in fall before and not did deer and during deer since but not hunting deer for a little bit there. You wanna get me excited about a hunt that's not deer, like let's get some bay dogs and some catch dogs and go get some hogs. That yeah. is a blast to me. I really want to go on a hog hunt. That's one thing I haven't done. That uh, that'll get you adrenaline pumping and have you on your toes. Uh but that's something y'all y'all probably don't get to do. So uh, gotta go down your neck of the woods. It's a little bit different, you know, just culture, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, anything else we need to talk about on, on the outdoors? Boys, I'm all talked out. Yeah, we've been going at this for three hours only an hour. Worn episode, out. <laughs> My phone's almost dead. I'm almost Sun was dead. up when we started. <laughs> yeah. Calls, alarms, fixing to go off to go turkey yeah, hunt. I might, well go, I might as well go out there now. <laughs> Get in bed with them gobblers. Oh, wait a minute. My my tablet ended the recording earlier. We gotta we gotta restart now. <laughs> All right, I can, see, I can see the counter up there. I'm not <laughs> laughing. All right, fellas. Well, thank you all and uh good luck tomorrow and this weekend. Uh Cole, you got a little bit of pressure. Case has to wear a mustache if you get the bird before him. No yeah, pressure. Shave the beard off. He will be amongst the first people I send a picture to if I get a bird. Oh, God. I was rooting for you, but now I'm not. <laughs> right. We'll see. I was hope I was really rooting for you. Now I'm well, I'm concerned. I don't know, man. I want to look like a bad Dale Earnhardt impersonation. Hey, he'll be all right. It's only temporary. Fellas, <laughs> as always, M I Z Z O U. Go Tigers! Y'all take care. Good one. Y'all.